What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. And Michigan State comes out of this one 66-56 versus Nebraska, um, snapping a four-game losing streak. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of an interesting game, Rob, because, yeah, I, they they did play well. Not great, but just the fact that they won uh, makes me want to hold back my praise too much, <laughs> you know, but... Um, yeah, a lot of guys played really um, good in this one. Langford uh, comes out of this one 18 points, 5 rebounds, 7 for 12, 4 for 6 from 3. Um, Henry, 16 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, 6 for 14, 2 blocks, 2 steals. Um, what's your What's your overall take on this one? I, I'm not – I wasn't happy. <laughs> okay. No, not at all. No, they didn't play well. Um, some individual guys did some good things. I would say, I would say they're, which is going to sound funny when I say no, they didn't play well, but I think it'll make sense. There were five guys that I think did enough good things that you say, okay, it's a positive-ish night. Josh Langford was the star of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't win without Josh Langford making the shots that he did. Um, I thought he played really really well and and you could kind of see it coming because even though his shooting percentages had not been great in these games since they've started playing again um I still think he was he was getting good looks he was being aggressive um mostly taking good shots uh so you could kind of feel it coming so I'm not yeah. surprised but it it's good to see I thought Aaron Henry for the most part, played really well. He had, once again, had some turnover problems, um, but he did a lot of good things. There were stretches where he was dominant. And then, uh, unfortunately, late in the game, you know, they went to that. I don't know if you noticed, but for a, it looked like Izzo was trying to close the game without a point guard. Mm. He was trying. And he had Josh handling a lot of the, of the ball up, up top, but I think... The intention was probably for Aaron to be the playmaker, and it didn't work at all. He didn't play well down the stretch. But but overall, I'd say did some good things. 
Um, so those two guys, um, who else am I thinking about? Uh, well, Marcus Bingham, and I don't understand this. Marcus Bingham did not play very much in the second half, Mm -hmm. um, favor of Julius Marble. And I have no idea why, because Julius Marble can't play defense. He can't do it. We see it over and over and over. He is terrible in pick-and-roll defense. He's not particularly good as a post defender either. Whatever you want to say about Marcus Bingham, and I've certainly been a critic over time, but his length gives you a chance. And you saw in this game multiple occasions how disruptive it is and how important it can be. And then I thought, you know, offensively he was okay. So I, I didn't understand that. I don't know why they they opted to go that route, but it was um, it was unfortunate in my mind because I thought Marcus Bingham did some good things. Mm-hmm. Um, Foster Lawyer, I think, quietly had a really nice game. Um, I don't I don't want to, I'm not looking at the, the stat sheet, but six, I six points, two rebounds, four assists to one turnover. Yeah, the assist, and and he made, as Stephen Bardo pointed out, he made some really nice plays for teammates. There was the one to, I think, to Aaron Henry for a three, where he dribbled, shot fake, cleared defender, kicked it to Aaron for it. Really nice. Did some nice things. I thought he did some nice things defensively. People bag on him defensively, but I'll tell you what. Took a charge down there. in, In my view, he has... He has improved on that end far more than I would have thought possible. Do not misunderstand me. I am not saying he is a good defender, but he is a guy who has proven consistently to be able to make defensive plays. He is great at taking charges. He's done a better job than you would think him capable of in terms of fighting through situations where the opposition is trying to post him. Now, now, some of that is due to Nebraska not executing, but he made it as tough as he possibly could. There was one occasion in the first half, I know, where Banton had him posted. That's about a 10-inch height differential. <laughs> That's basically the equivalent of when Michigan had Teske on Cassius Winston a couple of years ago on those switches, and they couldn't exploit it. Nebraska, but, but Foster made it tough. Mm-hmm. He fronted them and made them, didn't give them an easy entry pass, and then they botched it, you know, so... I think he played very well. And then the fifth guy, I thought Gabe Brown had a really good night. Yeah. I thought his energy was there. How many rebounds did he end up with? Like six? Seven seven rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. Three for for six from the floor and a block. Yeah. Really, really really good stuff. His energy level was great. Um, You know, rebounding is the biggest thing because that's something to me, because that's something that, you know, when Gabe is in normal circumstances, we critique a lot. Like, why is this guy with all his athleticism and, and good size for a guy at his position not rebounding better? You know, it's been a constant issue. And um, tonight I thought he was really aggressive, played with great energy in all phases of the game. And that was important. That was really critical for MSU to get this win um, is that he played that way. You know, mm. so hats off to Gabe. So I, I feel kind of strange about this. I just need five guys that I think you could say, yeah, they played pretty well, right? Yeah. But the team didn't play well at all. <laughs> and 
And a lot of that, of course, was turnovers. The turnovers were just abysmal. And were they in 22? Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that's just, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, this is after a run where they've been pretty good at minimizing those. I understand Nebraska's trying to be a little more aggressive, but Jesus Christ. They, they had so many unforced errors. Two, two plays where guys just simply didn't catch a simple pass yeah. thrown to Henry twice. The corner. Yep. Yeah. It should never happen at this level. Never, ever, ever. It happened twice. Um, so they were terrible in that phase of the game. Um, I thought defensively they were okay, except that that old bugaboo of fouling while defending came to came into play. And here's the truth. If Nebraska was a better free-throw shooting team or had a better night, this one's a nail-biter. Yes, that's Absolutely true. a nail-biter. 11 for Nebraska 12 Nebraska. tons. What did they end up shooting? 46% from the line. Yeah, and they had a lot of attempts, too. 24. So, yeah, yeah uh, that that just can't happen. And, and so Michigan State really did a poor job there. Um, then you can talk about individuals. We talked about guys who played well. Uh, Joey Hauser, conspicuous in his absence among them, and for obvious reasons. He did nothing. He looked completely out of sorts. And I don't know at this point. I don't have a good answer, except the same thing I've been harping on for weeks now. You gotta get him in the post. You have to. You gotta, you gotta abandon this, pardon my French, bullshit with having him operating on the arc and, you know, thinking yeah. he's gonna facilitate like Draymond Green and all this other horse shit that they talked about at the start of the season. If you wanna get him going, it's simple. You have to post him. And they, they tried. It's gotten so bad for him. That the last time they, you know, I think it was his last foul, um, or was near the point that he fouled out. No, it was. It was his last foul because he botched it and then committed a foul trying to get an offensive rebound on a low percentage attempt. Mm-hmm. But he's even out of sync there. Doesn't mean you can go away from it. You have to do it. You, you cannot win games. They won this game with two guys carrying the offense. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get it done against anybody else in this league. Starting on Tuesday night, you play like this against Penn State, you get beat. Period. That's that's what I think. So they got to find it, and and the way you find it with Joey, in my opinion, is you post him up. I, I will say this: I thought MSU more than recently was trying to get the ball in the post. They were just horrendous in executing it. Yeah. Trying to do it with Marble, which is the only reason you should be playing Julius Marble at this point, is if you're going to use him as a post-up option because he gives you nothing else. Um, and they they just couldn't execute it. Just terrible post entries. Probably some blame to go on his part for not establishing and holding position, but really bad. So you put those things together, and, uh, you know, I am left with pretty much exactly the same emotion that I was in the first Nebraska game. I'm glad they got a win because they really needed it, but they played terribly. (laughs) Terribly. I mean, you could say 
What was the three-point shooting? 36% for Nebraska, 39% for Michigan State. Okay. They shot, so... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. 18% for Nebraska, 26% for Michigan State. Yeah. I was looking at the field goal. And and that's, yeah, and 39% shooting from the floor against this defense, not good. And again, take away Josh Langford, and you've got big problems. They just... I, I don't know what the answer is at this point. I really don't because, you know, for a lot of this season, we, we've talked about, hey, you know, maybe they should go a little heavier to the Malik Call-Joey Hauser combination post, right? Because at least that gives you, you know, those guys are two of your better rebounders, and it gives you more offense. It gives you more flexibility there. Malik Call offensively is a mess right now. I don't know what's happened since he's come back, but he's a mess. It's a disaster. He doesn't look yeah. comfortable. If you look, there were segments in this game where they had him operating in the middle of the zone, mm-hmm. which is good. A, a normal Malik call, that's a good role for him because he can hit a free throw line or free throw line extended jumper. He's afraid to shoot, and they know it. They were, they were giving him room to take shots, and he's not taking them. Uh, he did have one nice play. Yeah. where he took the ball hard to the rim and finished. And that is also a big part of his game. Need to see more of that. Because, again, with all these guys, every single one of them, they need to be thinking getting the ball to the basket. You know, when the jumpers are not falling, and they really weren't falling very well tonight. I mean, take Josh away, and it was a brutal night. Yeah. Shooting the three. Um, you know, he salvaged whatever they got out of this. But um, so I so I don't know you know and, and the way Joey played was so miserable you can't say you know the only big man who did anything tonight was Marcus Bingham Kithier barely saw the floor um, I don't know it's I, I've said this recently it's it's a moving target for Michigan State and that's a conclusion that I come away with after this game. You know, the last few games, we've said, well, the one thing they seem to be doing well is they seem to have exercised the turnover demon. Well, kiss that goodbye. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, there, there were positives out of this, besides even those individual performances. I don't know how much to make of it because you're playing a team that's been off for a month. But they were far, far better at containing penetration than they were in the first meeting. I mean, Allen and McGowan's were fairly limited in this game, you yeah, know? Yeah. And that that's a big, big positive change. And those are their, you know, along with Banton, those are two of their three best players. So Banton was better in this game than he was in the first one. But, um, you know, those guys didn't get away from them. And I thought they did a, I thought they did a reasonably good job defensively in that area. So you would say hats off there. Um, but uh, offensive rebound, what did MSU end up with offensive rebound-wise? Not uh, much. Eight? Yeah, that, that's terrible. This is a bad defensive rebounding team in Nebraska, and it's not like Michigan State didn't miss a bunch of shots. There were opportunities. It was terrible. Terrible. Um, I just don't know. I mean, you you like to think, you know, they they, they – they have a, a game where I thought they actually played maybe a little better than the results indicated against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I don't mean they played great, but we talked about that. They actually created a lot of good shots. 
in that game. They just didn't fall. I thought they, they were better there than maybe the scoreboard indicated. And then they did some really good things against Iowa. And you think, well, maybe they're finding some momentum. I, other than the fact that they got a win, there's not much positive come out of this game, in my opinion. Not on a team basis. You could you could point to some individuals. You know, again, Marcus Bingham can feel pretty good about what he did in this game. And frankly, although I've been, and I'm still not convinced, you know, my expectation would be if you played Marcus Bingham 20 minutes against Penn State, he's going to play poorly. Just because that's his track record, and that's the track record of this team this year, is that they can't sustain anything. But by God, I'd give him the chance yeah. At this point, and I've been a big critic of Marcus, and I've been one who has said that consistently, that, hey, the reason he's not playing more is other guys are more predictable. At this point, why, he's at least giving you that defensive presence, and he's been better offensively. So, And he's a better rebounder than he used to be because he's a little bit stronger. So why the hell not? Yeah, you know? two blocks, but, three steals in this one. Uh, that makes up for a lot of – you know, potentially missed assignments. Um, Absolutely. Well, I can think of one. There was one play where it might have been Stevenson. It was one of their bigger wings got got posted um, on the baseline against Foster, and he was just muscling him. Mm-hmm. There's nothing Foster could really do. Marcus Bainham gets over there and blocks the shot out of bounds. It was a play that would have been an easy two otherwise, no question. He does have that capability. Now, I don't go too far with this stuff. You know, again, I think it's entirely possible. I would probably, if I had a gun to my head, I would probably even bet that the next game Marcus Bingham plays, he's not good. Just because that's who he's been his whole career. And that's what this Michigan State team has been this year. I'm sorry to be so pessimistic, but that's <laughs> that's what the track record is showing me right now. But... He, in my opinion, he has earned the right to at least get the chance to fail. I mean, I don't know why Julius Marble is playing as much as he is. I have no idea. Because he, he's not scoring. They're not able, they're not willing or not able to execute post offense. Okay, so you're not getting that. He's not proven to be a particularly good rebounder at either end. I see Julius this year, unfortunately, I wanted to believe in this, hey, he's got a lot of the qualities that X had, that Andre Hudson had, and that he can be a really effective rebounder because he's physically strong enough, he's athletic enough. I'm seeing no signs of it. I see him get worked regularly on the boards. And, and so he's not giving you anything there. And then defensively, he's a disaster. He's the worst defensive post they have by a long shot. There's no close second. You saw it in this game. Thank God, again, Nebraska doesn't have better post players because they were working him. They were slip slip screens. They were dusting him in the post. He wasn't stopping anybody. I I don't know why he's playing. People get up and, you know, that's the thing. It's And I could go on a long discourse about the Thomas Kithier uh, reactions from Michigan State's stupid-ass fan base. Um, but I'll tell you something. If you're talking about really going after somebody who has played poorly this year, start with Julius Marble. And I'm not knocking the kid. I've, I've heard nothing but great things about him as a kid. But he's played miserably this year, other than the Duke game. And that's what people still have in their minds. They still think about that performance. 
Get it out of your minds. We've had a lot of games since then. He's done nothing close. And why he was playing tonight when Marcus Bingham sits, I have no idea. I hope somebody asks Izzo because I can't tell you why. Yeah, it looked um, like Izzo was yelling at him about a defensive assignment. Um, yeah, and- I'm sure he was. he was. He was. I know the sequence you're talking about where the cameras were focusing on that. But you know what? But he only winds up with 14 minutes. You know, look, Hauser, Hauser was obviously in foul trouble. He only had 14 minutes, so there was a lot of room to go around right. for the bigs. Right. Bingham winds up with 14 minutes, Marble with 12, Sissoko with 8, Kithier with 7. Um, I'm surprised Thomas played that much. <laughs> I really am. Because I don't – I'm trying to think. He didn't start. Marcus started, right? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know where Thomas saw the floor. I don't think he played the second half, did he? But if he did, it was briefly. But anyway, I, I just – you know, 12 minutes for Julius Marble is not massive, I guess. But especially down the stretch when they were trying to close that game out, I didn't understand it. Because Marcus Bingham at least is going to give you a defensive presence. You're trying to get stops. And right now you cannot, in my opinion at least, you cannot credibly argue that he is a worse rebounder than Julius Marble is. He's a better rebounder than Julius Marble. So I I, I don't get it. I don't know why. But yet all that, uh, if you talk about the point guards, as we said, I thought Foster played a pretty good game. Rock. How many turnovers? Uh, five. Yeah, terrible. He did his his. He wasn't forcing too much offensively for himself. I thought he was reasonably efficient there, and he wasn't bad defensively either. But as a as a playmaker, bad night. And I really thought this was a night we'd see heavy minutes for him because of the matchup. Brad, you know, we we talked about this. You could play Foster a lot of minutes against Iowa. Because, at least with Bohannon, they don't make you pay for Foster's weaknesses. Nebraska is not that kind of deal. And yet, we still saw Foster playing heavy minutes. And I didn't argue with it. And Hogard, short of the one transition finish he had, not Big Ten ready right now. That's that's my – I've reached that conclusion on A.J. Hogard at this point. He's, he's going to play because they have to play him. But A.J. Hogard is not ready to be a contributor meaningfully for a big, not, not the level that Michigan state fans are used to seeing. This is, this is stuff you see from exactly where they are right now. A deep second division team. That's just kind of playing a guy. Cause they have to, this is not Michigan state stuff. AJ Hogart is not ready. That's, that's where I'm at. You know what I'd, I'd like to see out of, out of a rocket Watts is we've seen a lot, especially there was two uh, instances in um, the Iowa game where Henry wound up firing up a air ball three late in the shot clock. Uh, and then another one tonight where they shot clock violation. I would like to see Rocket Watts. If, if there's four seconds left on that shot clock, Rocket's the one I want with the ball. He's the I one would that agree. can easily would... get a clean shot up. You know what I mean? I would agree with you. I would agree with you because of his handle and his speed. He does have the ability to create space. Here's the negative, and it showed up in the last possession of the first half. Yeah, they got a rebound with 11 seconds to go, and the ball goes to Rocket. He's jogging up the floor. No urgency. And then ends up taking about a 25-footer, which he doesn't hit. They had ample time 
to get a great look. They didn't because their fucking point guard had his head up his ass. That's the truth. So I hear you on that, but right now his decision-making, his clock awareness, all of those things is so screwed up that I'm not convinced of that. Theoretically, you're right. Mm. But he's a mess. And you can say that about a lot of people on this team. Again, I say thank God, thank God for Josh Langford. And thank God for Aaron Henry. And for all of Aaron Henry's flaws, Aaron Henry has played pretty damn well lately. And he played overall, he played well today. But, man, it's not pretty. I'm definitely a little bit more optimistic on this one than you. That's fine. I could be wrong. I can be wrong. The Langford Langford, last time uh, against Iowa, I felt like Langford was – some of the shots that he hit were like, wow, that's – you can just sort of tell the way it comes off his hands, you know, just the rhythm. And he just missed maybe two more than you'd like. And this game, he was 7 for 12 rather than 5 for 12. No, he played very well. Langford seems like he's getting to the point now where the ball's coming off his hands. Like, he's looking, starting to look like the old, like he might be able to get to his old level, you know? Which is really encouraging. I mean. That is. That is. You're right. They need, look, they, we've said for much of this season, and and it now has to be subject to change, that Michigan State is going to really struggle to win when its best players aren't playing well. And we've been talking about Aaron Henry, Joey Hauser, and Rocket Watts. I think you have to take Rocket out of that equation now. But you can probably fairly insert Josh Langford at this point. Mm-hmm. You know? So they had two of the three tonight. And that's enough against the worst team in the Big Ten. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> it's not going to be enough come Tuesday night. And Penn State is not great. But Penn State's good enough. You you bring this kind of performance again, you're going to lose. You know, and 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 that's. But but again, I want to. We're gonna we're gonna hit this. I think we're gonna talk about it. Keys. I know we talked about it in the preview. What has me angry is we talked about the result here. The one the win loss result wasn't the big thing. I mean, obviously you can't lose this game. That goes without saying. And they didn't. But the important thing, the really important thing was, okay, you're kind of starting to build a little momentum. Again, you, you played maybe a little better than the results gave you credit for against Ohio State, if that makes sense. And then you legitimately played a decent game against Iowa. So it feels like you're building something, you know, and again, we go back to before the before the break, they had played not great but beat Nebraska, played very well in wiping out Rutgers, and played a spectacular half against Purdue. Now, they followed that up with a miserable half, but the feeling was coming in at halftime of that Purdue game, I felt, and I think a lot of Spartan fans probably felt like, okay, they've gotten this back on track to some degree, you know, mm. and then we have that second half collapse. Then you have COVID. Then you come back from COVID against Rutgers. You're clearly not ready to play. You have that disaster. But they're fighting back and fighting back again, and you start feeling like, all right, maybe there's something coming. 
they needed in my mind to to make me feel which doesn't matter to anybody except me but to convince me that this team is finding something that's sustainable and that means that they might be capable of making a run here they had to play well because particularly offensively this is the worst offensive team in the Big 10 what did Michigan State do 22 turnovers and what they shoot 39% from the floor yeah yeah you can't Eight offensive rebounds against the worst defensive rebounding or near worst defensive rebounding team in the league. They, they did not come close to doing that. So that's where I'm at. They now enter that game on Tuesday against Penn State very much as suspects, not, not prospects. They've got to find a way to up their level of play as a group just in order to win that game. And then maybe come Tuesday night, we can talk about, all right, now they got something to build on again. But this is not a game to build on in my mind. Again, other than the fact, and I don't want to downplay it, but you won a game, great. Yeah. You beat a winless team in the league that's going to finish last. And and by the way, you can't play them again. And you don't play Northwestern again. So this is it, boys. From here on out, it's going to be better caliber opposition in an extremely deep league. Mm-hmm. You have to play much, much better than this. If you're just going to get any more wins, forget about streaming them together. You know? Yeah. Uh, Having said all of that, does Michigan State have the kind of players and the kind of talent to do that? Yes, I believe that. But is somebody going to get Joey Hauser's head fixed? Is somebody going to get Malik Hall's head fixed? Is somebody going to get Rocket Watts to play consistently smart basketball? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, offensive execution. That was the first key we had. Miserable. Miserable. <laughs> you know, the success that they had offensively was really down to two players. That's not a recipe for success. You know, when two guys, and, and let's be honest, for as well as Josh played, as well as Aaron Henry played, neither one of them put up an all-timer kind of game. They were good. Mm-hmm. That carried them tonight. It wouldn't do it against probably anybody else in this conference. Yeah, and it, a lot of it was sort of them creating their own offense, with, with the exception of few. There were some good ball movement um that, know, that was one but, thing that was, yeah, that, and I'm glad you mentioned that. That was one thing that was good. When they didn't kick the ball away, they moved it pretty well. And, and you're right, Josh Langford in particular was, and Aaron to some extent too, were the beneficiaries of that. But, man, that's not nearly enough to overcome 39% and 22 turnovers and eight offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Those numbers just blow. Uh, Against this team again, let's remind ourselves, last place team. In a normal Michigan State season, we will be talking about this performance as a disaster. The fact that we're not totally calling it a disaster is an indictment of how bad things have gotten, mm-hmm. in my view. Uh, transition. Yeah, not, not nearly good enough. There <laughs> were a, a, a couple of moments... But, you know, in fairness, 
they didn't get a ton. We don't, we don't have the fast break point stats. And again, I'll say it for the 9900th time. Um, those fast break point numbers are always fishy to me. I don't think they're well, they're well executed by a lot of scorekeepers, mm-hmm. but regardless, I didn't think either team got a ton done in transition. Michigan State occasionally gave, had a bucket. There were a handful of moments, but not a lot. Nebraska had a handful of moments too, but it was not played as a 94 foot game the way we thought it would be, or even really the way the first game was. Hmm. That is nice to get Gabe back though. That's something that he, he gives this team is. Absolutely. And he's, you know, if you, again, if you're, I know I'm sounding like a real downer here. If you're looking for positives, one thing is that you've got Gabe Brown back and at least for one night, it was the energized version of Gabe Brown, which is a different thing than the Gabe Brown we've seen for a lot of this season to date when he has played. Tonight's version is a Gabe Brown you can, you can do things with. Yeah, six point seven rebounds in eighteen minutes. Uh, yeah, in a block. Yeah, and he was good. Hard. I mean, it was just not. There was, he had he had one three that was not a great shot. Um, but other than that, I thought he played within himself. Um, and again, just came out of the out of the gate coming hard. And if Gabe yeah. if Gabe Brown is coming hard, that's a problem for opponents. You know, because he's so gifted athletically. That if he's going hard, he's going to make things happen. So that's the key for him. Uh, and then boards. Um, yeah. The total, you know, the offensive boards, I'd mentioned before, eight to six. I don't have team rebounds on this, but yeah. uh, 43 to 29 MSU to, to Nebraska. Yeah, that, team that's rebounds. just, that's a function of, that's a function of Nebraska shooting worse than Michigan State did. Um, I, this is a failing grade because Nebraska is a bad rebounding team, both ends. So if you're good at all, you clean their clocks, you wipe them out. And, and again, I, I come back to this, this Michigan State team, it's a moving target, the problems. You come off a game where I thought you competed pretty damn well on the boards against Iowa. And, and you show up like this. It's, I don't understand it. I, you know, you could point to one thing kind of factually and say Joey Hauser didn't play a lot, and when he was out there, he wasn't rebounding well. That's going to always set Michigan State back as a rebounding team because Joey Hauser is their best rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, <laughs> and to be fair, Malik Hall didn't do much on the boards in 24 minutes, four boards. Eh. Yeah, he's got to be a lot better in that, in that, in those kind of minutes. So I say he's a mess. He's a mess right now. And I don't understand. I, I don't know what happened. I saw there were people talking about his shot release looks screwed up. Um, maybe the case. I haven't really zeroed in enough to, to really have a good feel for that. I know he's not hitting shots and now he's at the point in this game where he's afraid to take them, which is not good because he, he's playing the four. In modern, the way Michigan State's playing, where they're not emphasizing post-ups, you can't play with a four-man who's afraid to shoot. Yeah. Because none of Michigan State's five men will shoot. So you're going to have two guys that won't shoot? Can't have it. Can't have it. And I, yeah, I, but I, I don't four know. Four rebounds in those kind of minutes is terrible from him. 
And it seems, it seems to me like uh, Michigan, like from like a strategic point of view, sets sets it up so that the foreman is mostly the guy who's cleaning up the glass. I, I don't know if I'm, I might be wrong on that or not, but it seemed like Kenny Goins has always had a ton of rebound. Like the fours have always been heavy rebounders. Um, yeah, is mostly. That, uh, is there anything to that or? Well, mostly I think that's true, but that's because Michigan State, part of that is Michigan State's a really good rebounding team. And yes, their posts, both their fives and fours, have always been good rebounders in general. You're right. Kenny Goins was a guy who was a really, really good rebounder. And so when he was playing those minutes, that showed up. Um, you know, Jaron Jackson was playing the four in his year at Michigan state. And he was a very, very good rebounder, obviously. Um, you know, you go back before that, I'm trying to think, um, who was the four man on the, uh, well, I guess it was, it was Deontay Davis in Denzel Valentine. If you consider Matt Costello, the five or switch them up, but either, both of those guys were good rebounders. So yeah, I mean, you, typically it's both posts. I don't think it's that the four has been the dominant rebounder by any And maybe it's just because a lot of times the five is sometimes focused on getting down the court rim running, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, but they've had fives. I mean, you know, Goran Sutan was a big rebounder for them. He was a five man. Um, uh, Nick Ward at times, was a very, very good rebounder at Michigan State, you know, and he was the five-man. So I think it's both spots. The The point, though, is that they, they they need both of those spots. And, again, this is a team that for much of the last couple of years has been plagued by substandard wing rebounding. Now, tonight it wasn't substandard. What Aaron Henry have, like six? Yeah, uh, I mean – you had Gabe Brown with six, Josh Langford with five, and Henry with yeah. six. Yeah, so those guys, again, thank God they showed up because the post sure didn't. Yeah, but Malik Hall, that's an embarrassment. With those kind of minutes, he, he's got to be. And against this team, this is Nebraska is a team that does. Man, is not, he's 6'9", but he's not a force in the post. Malik Hall should own that paint, and he didn't. Yeah, I mean, who, I don't even know what man. I mean, who yeah, would be their man? That's what I'm talking about. Man is their four man. And he played a lot tonight. You know, I just, yeah. This is why, as we go through this, this is why I'm feeling the way I am, that I don't take much good out of this. Because I don't think there was much good. Not in any so, meaningful way. Uh, so the fourth one, dribble containment. That's one thing. But but again, I don't want to. I don't want to. Just as I didn't want to celebrate too much about offensive efficiency from the Iowa game because they were playing fucking Iowa, who can't check. Mm. I don't want to take too much out of this um, because uh, Nebraska is coming off a month long layoff. That did not look to me like the same team we saw, you know, five weeks ago. Where, where Allen and McGowan's in particular were just wrecking balls. Yeah. You know, we saw, we saw a handful of, now, now in fairness, the one guy who was a lot, two guys that were a lot better than they were in that first game, Banton was better. And the Stevenson kid who we talked about as maybe being disappointing mm. to date, I thought he was, what did he end up with? I Eight thought he was points, pretty good. Three for seven. Yeah. He was, I mean, that's not spectacular, but that's a lot more than he's been giving them lately. So that, I thought he was pretty good. 
Um, so they got some play out of those guys, but you know, what did Allen end up with? Allen and McGowan's three points for Allen. McGowan's had 13 points, five for nine. It didn't, didn't seem like he had 13 points. I guess that's okay. Yeah. He had three free throws. Yeah. It's surprising to me that he got that much, but anyway, they really contained those guys. So give Michigan state some credit and Nebraska shot horribly. So give Michigan state some credit. They, they, at the very least, what you can say is that Michigan State wasn't so bad defensively that they made it really easy on Nebraska. And, and so when you do that against a team that's uh, not going to be very sharp, most likely, you're giving yourself a real chance because you're not making it easy. Mm-hmm. If Michigan State was giving up the kind of penetration that they were in that first game, maybe they got a problem. On the other hand, I wonder how much of that is Nebraska just not being very sharp. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they had a huge layoff. Uh, and it showed. Yeah. It, it did show in their shooting, for sure. And, and they had huge turnover numbers as well. You know, yeah. Michigan, they were just not quite as bad as Michigan State, but they were really bad. They had, they had, they had a couple of occasions where they threw the ball to nobody in Seven, the half court. 17 turnovers for them, I mean. Yeah, it was really bad. That, that was. Equalized. Really, if if you're if you're looking for a, a a negative example of what good college basketball offense looks like, this is a great game to use as a teaching tool because both teams were terrible. Uh, and then the fifth key post offense, yeah, not even worth talking about. I mean, again, I I think they tried to do it maybe a little more often than we've seen lately, but they didn't execute it. You know, so I, I don't know. We we should they probably really weren't get, they weren't it. able to get it down to Marvel. right. That's what I mean. There was a lot of there were a lot of bad post entries. Probably two or three occasions where it was just really bad post entries. And then you know there was that play late in the game, as I mentioned, where they get the ball to Joey and he's just lost. He had no rhythm. Yeah, you he know? winds up settling for kind of an awkward to the side yeah. left-handed thing. I, yeah, it was terrible. So, I don't know, we should probably quit talking about it, even though I'm firmly convinced it's what this team needs to do if they want to get some consistency and some flow established. But from what I'm seeing, I see no signs that they're ready to do it. And Penn State, by the way, Penn State would be another great team to run this against, Mm -hmm. to go post-heavier, because Penn State has very little size, and and you you can get work done against them on the block. So Bardo mentioned it in passing. He said, you know, yeah, Penn State tries to go small and they find difficulties in this league because of how many good big men there are. He's right. But is Michigan State going to exploit that? I'm not holding my breath. Um, the, the two that Bingham got, I, I, I've been saying this and kind of beating this drum a little bit, but I, I'm, I'm fine with Bingham, Bingham you know, getting two or three, even if it's kind of those weird fadeaway things or whatever. Yeah. He got one tonight. The other one didn't quite go, but. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're right at this stage. I mean, I will take anybody <laughs> with post touches right now, really. You know? Yeah. But it, it's, it just makes so much sense to me. You have two guys in Hauser and Hall who are now very much – demonstrably out of sync. 
How do you get, what is the standard operating procedure for getting a guy who is out of sync back in sync in basketball? It's getting them easy shots and or getting them to the line. What is going to do that for you? With those guys, it is running them, running post-up opportunities for them, letting them go to work so they can either score or draw a foul. And if it doesn't work, if they miss shots, you know, like the Joey Hauser thing, yeah, it was a disaster, that possession. It was terrible. But you know what? They shot 39% otherwise. So Mm. what the hell difference does it make? Run it. Yeah, I mean, it was still kind of close to going in. I mean, it's not like it was a turnover. Yeah, you, you've got to, I mean, this is, this is a stone cold lock. If they don't get Joey Hauser and Malik Hall back on track soon, they, the team cannot get back on track. Period. End of story. It's over. There's some things that they've been able to kind of withstand in terms of inconsistency from guys, you know, they can't withstand that. Not both of them. Not both of them. Mm. And 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 to realistically, they actually need both guys playing very well simultaneously. On top of Aaron Henry and Josh Langford, and maybe getting Gabe Brown going. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you know any. Final thoughts on this? I mean, at least we got Penn State next. Maybe we can string together two. Um, yeah. Well, they. Th- that's a that's a game again. Penn State is not a terrible team by any means, but uh, you're at home. There, I think they're four and seven, maybe four and eight, something like that. That's a game if you're Michigan State and you have any pretension. Of finishing higher than thirteen, you got to win. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. I mean, it's just simple as that. And and beyond, that, I'm not even talking about this nonsense about you know extending the tournament street or getting on a roll or anything. We're so far away from that that to me, the only thing you can focus on is you got this next game in front of you. It's not against a powerhouse team. It's not against the top of the league. You have to win that. Period. Just that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you see where you're at. Because then the next one is Iowa at home. You should feel pretty good about going up against those guys again based on the way you played them the first time. Mm-hmm. And if you can play, if you can not just beat Penn State, but play well doing it, like if they can play a game at the level they played against Rutgers at Breslin, something like that where it all clicks, okay. Then you go into that Iowa game feeling like, We've got something. Maybe we can spring the upset this time. Just make a few more plays. Um, but it all starts with Penn State. It's just one at a time at this stage. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that one's um, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Um, we'll get the pregame up for that one in the next few days. And until then, the final four. <laughs> There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.